All right. I wrote this intro in a <laughs> in a haze, and I have not read it, so it could be. <laughs> we'll see how, how it goes. Good day. Oh, oh, hey, oh. oh, hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Good day and welcome to the Climate Change Therapy Podcast, a product of BlockRadius.net. Your most... What are you... Are you opening Skittles or yeah, something? Some that, are you, Sorry. Did I oh, mess okay. up the beginning? I rolled some Skittles. Okay. Good day and welcome to the Climate Change Therapy Podcast, a product of BlockRadius.net, your most trusted online media outlet for urban planning and unrelated topics. Today is October 22nd, 2019. Thank you for tuning in to listen to two people who are not scientists trying to make sense of the greatest crisis of our time. And no, I don't mean the backlash to LeBron James's comments about NBA general manager <laughs> Daryl Morey's tweet defending Hong Kong and costing the NBA billions of dollars <laughs> in business contracts with the Chinese. No, we mean climate change. That's what we're here to talk about today. And today we have a very special guest, Jay Marr, not... Jay Moore, the man behind the Jerry Maguire <laughs> villain, Bob Sugar. Who, who writes this? Uh, but Jay Marr, but Jay Marr, he who does uh, many things, several things, among them teach business, do business, operate a local real estate empire, local empire, emphasis on local and empire. He's been known to do some crazy shit on whims, and he is a longtime friend. Our friendship, as I like to say, is older than memory itself. Uh, he is Jay Marr, but first... Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Briefcase Extra Soft, the softest carrying case for your briefs. <laughs> <laughs> Whether boxer briefs, low-rise briefs, mid-rise briefs, hipster briefs, <laughs> bikini briefs, or just briefs, Briefcase Extra Soft is the perfect accessory to your baggage. Carry your briefs more softly than you've ever dreamed. Way softer than an egg carton. And we also have to... <laughs> We also have to thank our recurring sponsor, Rollin' Cases, the most rockin' suitcases on wheels. Rollin' Cases, whether you're out camping on the side of the German Audubon or you're just staying at the Motel 6 in Moab, Utah, for $49.95 a night. Rollin' Cases are the suitcases on wheels for you and your life's journey. Rollin' Cases. Okay, friends, countrymen, I bring you Jay Marr. It's been with you uh, for a while. It's been. It's uh, recurring, to say the least. Yeah, wow. The wheels go round and round. Good Yeah. It was a cousin at, at Thanksgiving one year who um, gave me that, that idea, that insight. I must have been 10 years old. And he said, listen, someone made a million dollars just realizing that you could put wheels on suitcases. Yeah. About 10 years ago. The, the suitcase had been around for... Hundreds of years, wheels have been around for thousands of years. Put you know, two and two together, and you got a million dollars. So the the biggest house where I go to the beach, uh, the guy invented the window envelope. What's the window? Oh, I hear yep. I hear you. The envelope that has a window. That is smart. Yeah, so you don't have to print. Uh, <laughs> so you could just print the address. You don't have to write it on the envelope. That's I guess what yeah. it saved time for. I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. genius. Yep. Genius. Um, so, Jamar, since we last talked, which was, I think, in, in March, we talked about climate change last. Yep. Um, have you had any conversations since then about climate change that have lasted, say, more than a couple minutes? Because I really haven't. 
this podcast for me is my only uh, mechanism of, of talking about this subject for an extended period of time. What's your experience been like? Um, I would say I have had some discussions about climate change. Okay. Um, Do you although, bring the, those topics up in those instances? Uh, yeah, I'd say I bring them up or they're just, uh, they come up in, uh, current events. I mean, in the last six months, uh, since we've spoken, there's been, uh, the climate protest. Mm. So that was a pretty big day where, uh, it'd be likely that you have a conversation about climate. True. Um, Do you go to those protests, by the way? No. Yeah. Yeah, um, me neither. Didn't go to it. I was, um, I'm pretty, I got a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of views on the whole issue. I kind of like was going all over because I like uh, Greta, what's her, Thunberg or whatever. Mm, Greta Thunberg, yeah. Thunberg. But um, I definitely didn't uh, like some aspects of just like how it was, uh, everything was done and it was just mm-hmm. like a big show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I will say I, I was away that weekend, but it was pretty badass how she came to New York in a boat. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, was I respect super, that. It was super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was cool, but then it did suck a little bit that it was like, it was a boat that like required four planes to like, <laughs> to, to, to like, to, uh, to transport it to monitor or like to help it i don't know like there, there was a lot of things going on that wasn't just the boat but it was the thing is it was the sim- symbolism of her taking the boat that's like right. the main idea but it's not like she saved energy you know okay yeah um, which like makes me i guess uh i get a little bit shouldn't get upset makes me feel a certain type of way when like a lot of politicians say do this do this for the environment do this when really, like, if you fly one plane once, mm-hmm. you're doing worse for the environment than 99% of the world. Yeah. Which is, like, that's crazy. So it's, like, it's hard. You got to practice what you preach, kind of. Obviously, someone has to fly. But it's like, yo, you guys are, uh, you're killing the earth and then telling us to, like, yeah, do whatever. Yeah, I wonder if we're in the, the golden age of flying right now, that... On one hand, as technology improves, air travel can become faster and, and cheaper, um, or it can uh, it can be, you know, carbon taxed and and more rare. I to- I told you I'm I'm going to Europe next week mm-hmm. um, to visit Greta Thunberg. She invited me oh, for wow. lunch. Um, we're gonna have uh, nice. eat she's Swiss cheese eight, in she's Geneva. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be accompanied by four planes <laughs> worth of security. <laughs> But it was like you know six hundred bucks a ticket, which is not even that cheap for nowadays. Hmm. Um, that's kind of amazing that you can just do that in twelve hours, go round trip, and for six hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, so trying to travel now because it could get, I mean, it could be definitely uh, right, definitely more constrained going forward. Um, so what were those conversations? How how'd they go about climate change that you had um, around the um, time of the protests? I mean, it's hard to think of uh, like specifics, but I would uh, I would say generally most conversations just say that there's a problem, mm-hmm. um, but most don't really. Uh, I guess ha- aren't they're not too solutions oriented. It's kind of like I feel like a lot of uh, conversations kind of end up blaming um, governments or corporations, right? Which I definitely like understand, but at the same time, it's like everything starts with. Uh, people and like yourself and it's like 
I think everyone says like, oh, when Amazon does this, I'll start recycling. Or, oh, when this happens, I will use SEPTA. Mm-hmm. Let's say use SEPTA and then there won't be as many cars. Right? Stop ordering Amazon, then Amazon won't be wasting as much stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you met anyone there that um, hmm, that expressed any kind of like optimism for where things were going? Like anyone uh, that anyone that had um, no, not really. And honestly, I've I've actually I'm sorry. I used to be. Uh, oh, oh, hey, hey, hey there we are. Loud, my bad. I used to be way more optimistic, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not as much. And then I used to actually believe in the narrative of believe in, yeah, I guess the narrative that I believed in, uh, where I don't as much anymore. I'm kind of, a, mm. I hate to say it, but like, I, yeah, I hate that, uh, fake news has actually like kind of, I think become a thing where you really don't know what news to trust, to trust. Um, right. For example, like I, I, uh, don't believe in the vape, uh, the vapes that are killing people. Mm-hmm. I believe that they actually killed people. I, you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe like um, that maybe vapes are the problem or that they need to ban all the vapes for it. I think that that's a, a narrative that tobacco companies are pushing because mm-hmm. um, it might help that where that's something that I might be more knowledgeable in. So it's something that uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's definitely fake news. Yeah. And it makes you think if I was more knowledgeable in uh the weather or in whatever maybe i'll know like oh that's actually not true right because i i think a lot of what fake news really is is just um citing studies that conflict with one another so that there was a study about the vape vaping that that linked that to to a certain you just you never know with with sampling bias Mm -hmm. um you know that one fact can say one thing one fact can say the other and you just choose which fact to report on exactly so have um, you heard um like uh solar panels are are worse for the environment than i <laughs> i have not heard that than, solar panels basically this guy argued i uh i'll try and for, remember this guy this guy is like super smart went to really good school published in this that mm-hmm. um and he has all these articles writing about um, how atomic energy is better than all of these new uh, renewable energies. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, I feel like a couple years ago, I would just put it off, not even like read into it. But I read into it. And when you read into it, it kind of uh, it makes a lot of like points where you're like, oh, shit. And then you you go in further into those points, not him, like other sources, whatever. And it kind of backs it up. And you're like, wait. Mm-hmm. I, why didn't I ever hear this before? So, like, for example, solar panels, um, one, uh, like, kill a lot of um, birds that, mm-hmm. and birds, not like pigeons that we that wouldn't matter if they're killed, like birds that there's not a lot of rare birds. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we clear out all of these forests or all these this land for the solar panels, it's killing a lot of birds' environments. And there's birds that are endangered that, that's uh, making them more endangered. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like throwing away solar panels, we've only really 
we haven't really hit like the lifespan of solar panels yet. We're about to, where no one really knows like the implications of like throwing them away and renewing them and all of that. Mm. Um, and then he basically talks to, uh, he talks about like um, atomic energy and how everyone's like scared of it. But mm-hmm. like when you Cause of Chernobyl, because yeah. of Chernobyl and stuff, but he's like, no, uh, not one person, although there's been like deformities, de- de- deformities, I don't know. What yeah. Was. Radiation poisoning, um, different effects from the Japanese one though. Uh, mm-hmm. Fukushima, Fukushima, no one died. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, I think like the stat is something nuts. Like you could, you could power all of Philadelphia for like a whole year and the waste that you'd get from it would be like um maybe the size of this room or something mm-hmm. you'd power all of philadelphia for a whole year and the waste would be the size of this room and he said that's it's dirty like that waste right but he said basically you just need to enclose that and store that and it's mm-hmm. like if you're in if you're powering entire cities with that much like you can just like you just need to safely store that yeah um yeah, I totally agree with that, and it's it's funny how atomic energy or nuclear energy has become so divisive within, let's say, like um, the Democratic Party or, or everyone um, everyone's climate plan, um, and it's kind of the greenest solution is to just go with wind and solars, and like all the major candidates are very hesitant to push the idea of nuclear mm-hmm. energy. Um, I think uh, yeah. Cory Booker might be, he's the exception. Oh, really? That. I didn't um, know that. I know um, Germany, I believe, is uh, not a big proponent for nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been against it um, and big proponents for wind and uh, and solar. Mm-hmm. And France, I believe, has a lot of nuclear energy. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I I forget I got obviously don't have like this article in front of me but I think if you look at like the last 20 years the cost in France has gone down dramatically and the cost in Germany has gone up dramatically mm-hmm. and their pollution has both like stayed the same hmm. or, or whatever they're measuring for how dirty their energy has been the cost of energy has gone up and the pollution has stayed the same correct in yeah. Germany who's gone towards um, wind and solar and France, who's gone more atomic nuclear, Mm. their uh, costs have gone down. Right. So, but so energy usage might've actually gone up. So people aren't really replacing the fossil fuels so much with the greener technologies. It's more that those greener technologies are just um, adding to uh, more usage of energy might be the case. Might be. But again, it's it's an example of how like statistics, which are hard to yeah. really get to the bottom of it. Um, but what were you sa- what you were saying about solar panels? About how one of the issues is is the land use. Um, th- that kind of reminds me of one of the articles that came out today. Um, and we can kind of skip ahead really quickly to a segment we want to do where let's Google News climate change and you react to the headline on cool. a scale of one to ten. How interested are you? Do you have a um, little uh, jingle to segment to that? Uh, to that climate change therapy. Climate Google change news. Therapy. Google <laughs> news. <laughs> climate change uh, therapy. No, I don't have that jingle. <laughs> Google news. Um, so this headline is: Sorry, organic form. Far- sorry, uh, sorry, organic farming is actually worse for climate change. 
compared to regular farming? Uh, it's from the MIT Technology Review. Ooh. I went up from a five to a six when you gave me the source. Okay. So why are you interested in that? First of all, without reading the article, do you buy the premise that no. organic farming is, is worse? No. No. Um, I bet you there's one aspect of it that's worse in some metric that doesn't measure much. It's I, I chose this because the argument is a, about the same that you made for solar panels, mm. which is that organic farming takes more land to mm -hmm. produce the same amount of food. Mm. So the food, it doesn't use uh, chemicals, which pollute the environment, but it, it takes more land and possibly you know, more deforestation and whatnot um, to produce the same amount of food, feed the same amount of people. Right. It's a pretty straightforward argument. Hmm. So, okay. Does that make you more or less interested in reading it? Less, because I just told you what it was about. <laughs> yeah. Even I, don't, though, I don't need to read it now. All right, there we go. All right, let, 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 let's do another one. Let's do another one. Um, Are you interested in reading it now? Uh, I sorry, I skimmed it. I'm good. All right, this is a good one. I don't know exactly why this Seven. came up with climate change, but this this one is new evidence that an extraterrestrial collision 12,800 years ago triggered an abrupt climate change for Earth. This is posted 13 hours ago. What's the source? <laughs> the Onion? Uh, the, the Conversation US. Yeah, zero. Zero? Okay. I mean, yeah. Um, have you heard that theory, though? <laughs> no. You haven't heard this theory? <laughs> that a UFO hit 12,000 years ago? About 12,000 years ago, that's when all like the giant animals, like the woolly mammoths died. Um, huh. And they think it's because of climate change or because of that's when you know humans got to North America. Um, but there are, there's a theory that's kind of like a longer, long-standing theory that it was an asteroid impact, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That did that. Hmm. Um, so extraterrestrial oh, collision, I know it's a little more provocative, yeah, but really yeah, it's just yeah. asteroid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, thinking too into that. Okay. All right. You know um, Elliot from E.T. got a DUI today? <laughs> on his bike? Yeah. With he was, he, was he flying over the moon? Is yeah, that why? He thought he was. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. How did you how'd you find that out? Uh, you know, my sources. Yeah. Twitter spear. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more. Got it. Uh, headline here. Hmm, this is interesting. It's from the New Scientist. Stressed about climate change? Eight tips for managing eco-anxiety. I feel like in the spirit of climate change therapy, we should actually wow. read a little bit of this article. Yeah. I'm kind of interested. I might be... I, I'm I might interested. Be an, I mean, I, I have anxiety. Do you have eco-anxiety? I, I might as well. <laughs> might as well. How, how can you tell? I mean, I have anxiety about everything, so... You're, you were saying before that, that anxiety is kind of can be tied intrinsically to eco-anxiety i said that yeah you were mentioning but before we started hit record how animals oh yeah they yeah. don't get uh anxiety right right, right, right. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah right well i um i saw someone uh a very successful kid post on facebook uh a day or two ago mm. um sounded like like a cry for help like he sounded pretty uh sad or whatever 
but he basically was saying like how uh how could you not be depressed with everything that's going on mm -hmm. in the world and i think he was probably talking about like other stuff too but i think climate yeah or uh yeah i think a lot of people are wasn't a big element of that climate change protest um or there was some sub faction that was saying they didn't want to have kids and that mm -hmm. it was wrong to have kids um to bring into a, a world like this um yeah see i i used to uh be more uh, of that opinion but i actually uh in the last six months i think have slid a little bit more to like i think climate change is uh definitely a big issue mm -hmm. but i I do think it might have been, I think it's just used in politics a little too much and mm -hmm. it might have been a little um, embellished for people's certain uh, gains. Like Al Gore mm -hmm. obviously made a lot of money off it. Um, and then you read into like people have been predicting, like I, I think last year they said like we have 12 years till like there's no going back mm -hmm. um, and like the world's going to come to an end. But they said there's like an article from the 60s that like literally said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's similar to like uh, they've been saying they always say we're about to go into recession like every single year. And then we sometimes go into recession, but they literally say it forever. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time it doesn't happen. But most of the time. But if it does happen. Oh, we're screwed. We're screwed. No, definitely. So, I, I think it's yeah. happening. I, and I don't discount that it's happening. Right. I don't know if it's as fast as uh, as as um, it seems. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. Because I don't want to say it's not important. It's super urgent. Everything needs to happen. And and the, the science has gotten a lot better since the 60s. They were, so they, they were making those predictions back then based on the science of the times. And now as we have better technology we are you, you know i would trust today's scientists yeah. more than the 1960s but we also we just don't yeah. know like we just don't know enough of mm -hmm. science is is uh how much data is there on the weather we have a hundred years of data maybe you know mm -hmm. i don't know it's tough to say so I'm reading about this eco-anxiety. I'm, I'm just going to go down the, the list. They, have, uh, they number them. And um, you're just going to say yes or no, that you agree whether or not um, this tip for managing your eco-anxiety will, will be effective. So number one, live more in alignment with your values. <laughs> no. Buy it or sell. 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 Give your home an energy health check. No. <laughs> Cut back on flying, especially if you are a frequent flyer. I'm going to say no to all of these without even hearing, because this seems like it's uh, geared towards a rich American, which uh, the thing is, too, like most of the people who should have eco-anxiety are people who can't afford to do any of these tips. Like there's islands that are, are like a foot underwater already. <laughs> Those people can't just live within their values <laughs> and fly less. Okay. What is it, Mauritius or... Uh, uh, is Mauritius? No, there's like there's a couple. Is it Mauritius? There's a couple of islands that you see pictures, and like literally the islands are already submerged. Yeah, you can like walk on them. But look at the Bahamas. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, number four, don't feel ashamed. 
<laughs> oh, that negative suggestion is pretty tempting. Yeah. I'm so ashamed. Five, I'll take that as a sell. Yeah. Five, focus your efforts on changing systems, not yourself. No. Okay. Six, find like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. One for six. Um, seven, protect and nurture local green spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, talk about the changes you make. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's like they two and a half better. out of They eight. got better. All right. That's an article from the New Scientist today, uh, October 21st, 2019. Stressed about climate change, eight tips for managing eco-anxiety. Uh, quick reference to that article. Um, so I want to get back to the question about um, being hopeful about climate change. And one of the reasons I bring it up is I had an interesting exchange uh, with a friend um, a couple months ago. Uh, so I was asked, what are you hopeful about for the future? You know, and this is a, this is a, this is a balcony session, you know, nice. and, and a night, whatever. What are you hopeful about? What's going on, man? You okay? What's good? Mm-hmm. Um, so my answer was that I'm hopeful about one day being hopeful again. Because I think when I was a kid, I had a sort of a childlike sense of wonder about the world and an optimism that things are going to, you know, think like the world is good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's going to get better. And that progress was, is linear. Uh, and, you know, every, hmm. everything kind of gets better. We're in a constant state of getting better. The mm-hmm. world is getting safer. Um, Mm-hmm. For example, technology is improving. People are living longer. Um, a lot of metrics, everything's getting better. So there is this kind of their hope about this and and ha- one day having kids and doing what you want to do, seeing the world, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think with grad school and a lot of the stuff going on with climate change and, and politics and the new world order, it's easy to be less hopeful. But I'm hopeful about being one day hopeful again, the way I was maybe, you know, as, as a, you know, as a teenager. Even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I flipped that question on my friend who uh, actually, this is, this is a cook for you listeners uh, out there. He was a former roommate, former co-host of this podcast. What's and he, he cook? Was, he was moving, moving out. Uh, that's just his last name. Ah. That's a pseudonym. <laughs> it's like a J. Mar, a cook kind of thing. He's a cook. He's a cook. He's, <laughs> he, he's a, he's an architect, a roommate, but he'd just gotten married and um, he's moving in New York. And he told me that he's hopeful about being married and, and, uh, being a New York architect and maybe having kids one day and kind of traditional things that you would be hopeful about, um, that you should be hopeful about. That's some of the great things that life has, has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, then, but then my answer was, I was hopeful about one day being hopeful again. Mm. Um, so just two different ways to kind of answer that question. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but that's kind of why, why you're here. So putting you on the spot, what are you hopeful about right now in terms of um, the world, in terms of yourself? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> but is there, is there any hope that you could be hopeful again? Had, were you ever hopeful at some point in your life? Yeah. So uh, before this podcast, I wish uh, the podcast 
heard our conversation 20 minutes before the podcast we uh-huh. had some good things going on uh-huh. but that's just what happens i guess when uh, me and you get together crumbles. yeah yeah just like knowledge gets spit but uh-huh. uh yeah basically i've been getting been uh, discovering myself spiritually okay and uh something that i've learned is um there's no point in being hopeful and being hopeful means you're you're not present because I'm happy with where right now in this very moment I'm with Henry. Is mm-hmm. that your name on the podcast? Sure. Yeah. All right. Oh, wait, are you, uh, you're not Weezy. It's Hank, it's Henry. It doesn't Weezy matter. F. Yeah, Scott yeah. Fitzgerald. All right, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right now I'm with Henry yeah. enjoying myself, talking, recording a podcast. Why would I be hopeful? Why can't you be hopeful? Why would I be? I'm happy with what's going on right now. There's no point. When you're hopeful, that's when like anxiety comes. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, you get your hopes up and uh, you get let down. That's when, you know, mm-hmm. there's no point to be hopeful. You just need to be in the moment. So is, is being hopeful something that you are naturally, that you have to teach yourself how to let go of? Or is being hopeful um, a kind of a, a yeah. constructed feeling that you put put onto yourself i think you have to let go of it um yeah everyone wants well i think uh getting super into it i don't know i gotta like study more but it's your Mm. ego i think your ego just wants more yeah and hopes for different circumstances but like that's the only reason why people get upset or sad or depressed is because things aren't the way that they wanted so if there was no hope then mm-hmm. there would be no depression. I guess I've always tied hope to the present because, again, before we hit record, I was telling you about you know, one of my all-time favorite quotes, uh, Jorge Luis Borges, where he says the present is indefinite. Right. Uh, the past is a present memory and the future is a present hope. So I always tried to um, plan for something in the future that I have to look forward to. And if I have that, then I can feel hope, which kind of gives me comfort. Um, like, again, like planning a trip and having this a, a trip next week. Whatever happens this week, I know that um, I'm going to Europe next week and I can look forward to that and be pr- presently hopeful about that because that's but my future. Why do you need to look forward to a trip? Because it gives me hope. Why? In the present. Why aren't you happy with where you are right now? Well, I, I am. I can be content, but is it? But if you're, if you're just, but content, why be content? If when you're you just content, hopeful? see, if you're just content, you're just going to be content wherever you go. That's what being hopeful is like a false premise. It's like you're just going to be hopeful to be let down. It's never going to be what you hope. Oh, why would I be let down? Because it's never going to be what you hope. No, sometimes it's, it's always so, different in your head. It's sometimes always, it's it's better than anything you could have hoped. Yeah, for. and then it ends. So then it's uh, and then and, you, then and then you get like, oh whoa, I got like Charlie Horse. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. <sighs> oh, damn. Uh, well, uh, anyway, no. Then you pl- uh, just plan your your next thing. Yeah, but why don't you just be, if you're just in the moment, present, happy with where you are always, then you never need to be planning for the next thing and whatever. I I think a lot of, um, and I'm guilty of this too, I'm still trying to figure it all out and discover myself, whatever, but like a lot of people go on trips to go on trips to go on trips 
And every time they go on a trip, they realize that they're not fulfilled and they go, oh, I need to go here. Oh, I need to go here. Mm-hmm. I need to go here. And it's like, oh, if you're just happy with where you are, you're going to be happy wherever you are. It doesn't matter. If you're not happy, a lot of people, um, like especially like probably probably five years ago our age, we're probably like past that time. But a lot of people in their 20s, I feel like they like run away. Um, they were living in Philly and then all of a sudden they like go to Cali because they're like, oh, this shit's too crazy. Or they go to Europe or they go to Florida or they go wherever. And they're like, I need to find myself and or like I'm unhappy here. I need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. If you're unhappy here, you're going to be unhappy over there. Maybe over there will spur you figuring something out or whatever, but it's all in your head and it's all on you to be whatever you want to feel. It's not going to change somewhere else. So like, I don't know, going mm-hmm. on trips is cool, but if you're going on trips for looking for fulfillment, you're just going to be looking for fulfillment. If you have fulfillment wherever you are, then going on trips will give you fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be going on trips. Going on trips is, is an easy example because it's something different that's out of the ordinary, um, but it really could be anything, anything that you have planned that you're going to do that's outside the ordinary to mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, it could be, it could be, you know, maybe you were looking forward to, to doing this podcast, you know, uh, Uh, this morning. Kind of, I was, but I guess now, now your hopes have been dashed. No, no, it's it's hopeful, but it's at the same time, it's kind of like, it would be awesome if I see Henry and talk Mm -hmm. Weezy of Scott on the podcast. But if it doesn't happen, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have two questions that I was thinking about at the first thing <laughs> we talked about listening a little bit. <laughs> but um, so if not hopefulness, if hopefulness is not a kind of a state to attain, a present state to attain, um, then what is? What is the... Um, gratitude. What the emotional state that you want is gratitude? Gratitude, yeah. Okay. So it's not happiness. It's not hopefulness. It's, it's gratitude. That's an yeah. that's an interesting interesting answer. Okay, I accept that. I, uh, I t- when my students have something really dumb to say, I say that's an interesting answer. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm trying Just... to buy time to formulate a response. <laughs> okay, okay, got it. <laughs> and keep you from from going on, so I have to continue to listen as opposed to I I need right. to buy myself time to formulate right, right. a response. Got it, got it. Interesting. Um, interesting. <laughs> interest, interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you practice gratitude? Um, I had a New Year's resolution to call my grandma more often that I haven't really kept up. Nice. So, uh, good yum tov to you. Good um, yum tov, yum tov. Happy yeah. Sukkot. So happy Sukkot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like that answer, gratitude. So I'm going to I'm going to definitely think about that. Yeah. I got a a gratitude journal. Mhm. You wake up every day, you say three things you're grateful for, okay. and then one thing you're going to tackle. Hmm. And it literally changes your brain after like 30 days. Really? Yeah, literally. Changes you write down every day? Yeah, you write it down. Um can you repeat the same thing multiple days? There's no rules. There's no rules, yeah. But um you're probably not supposed to. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, I I want to ask you what you were thankful for and what you tackled, but I feel like that's an invasion of privacy. I I've been grateful for like months now, so like almost everything. I probably said you ones, uh-huh. my friends, support, 
exercise, running, clothes, my dog, dog treats, sweaters, showers, cold showers, Wim Hof, Mm -hmm. Pilates, yoga, hot yoga, my yoga teacher, my hot yoga teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Your hot, hot yoga teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Emphasis on hot. Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to consider that because for me, my sense of spirituality is kind of linked to um, like that Borges quote. Some of my mm-hmm. favorite quotes, some of my favorite books that I've read, stories I've read, um, authors, sayings. Um, I find meaning in that the same way people find meaning out of different psalms or, or passages in the Bible. Mm. Um, so I don't know that I'm ready to abandon the idea that having something to hope, hope for can kind of keep you going and keep mm-hmm. you motivated. Um, but I'll, I'll explore that idea of gratitude. I, I, ha- I still haven't been able to get into meditation. Um, but you know, I think it w- whatever works for you. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you a question to get on the other side of hope. I have two doomsday scenarios. Oh, two kind of opposing worst case scenarios for the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, so scenario number one is that humanity survives, but at the cost of 99% of the world's wild species. So we would still have domesticated chickens mm-hmm. and then different trees that um, we nurture for various medicinal purposes or, or landscaping like orchid flowers or whatnot. Um, but you know, most of the, the wild animals and the, the forest vegetation, the rainforests are all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, but humanity lives on. And then the second scenario is um, humanity perishes <laughs> and nature is, is left as it is. Second. You would choose the second. Yeah. You would choose to have humanity perish and leave nature be. Correct. <laughs> Okay. Do you have a reason? Uh, yeah. We destroy the world. Why would we? Why would it be good if we continued? I mean, I guess it. It's selfish if you if you just want to survive for your benefit and everyone else is gone. But or you could have everyone else flourish and you're gone. And like the world was doing well. For billions of years, we right. came what? How many years ago? I don't. I don't want to say and sound dumb. So how many? How many times? Years ago, did humans come? Like two million years ago. Two million, something like that. So there's billions of years of Earth, right? Flourishing. Then we came two million years ago, and we've destroyed it already. We're on our way to. It's like two million it. or two hundred thousand, depending <laughs> <laughs> depending on where you draw the line. Yeah, and what is where we developed? Yeah. Yeah, but uh. But yeah, we're killing the world. So yeah. like, why would you want us to continue? And obviously, like, I don't know. I think the reason that there's maybe a destruction happening currently is because the earth is trying to like cleanse itself. It needs to survive. And in order to survive, you need to get rid of humans. Mm-hmm. Earth is like, earth is like a human mm-hmm. in that. A human, when you have a sick part of your body, the healthy parts try and kill it off. Mm-hmm. Earth was healthy, where the sick part, you're gonna mm-hmm. cut us off. 
I've also had the thought that Earth is alive. And if you look at, it almost looks like trees are you know, blades Breathing. of hair in a way. And the, the Earth is spinning. It's moving. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's kind of, it's, it's a complete system for sure. Um, but at the same time, if we get a disease like the, the bacteria, it still resembles other cells that are healthy in our body. But human civilization and some of the technology is so alien, and I use that word purposely, um, it's so alien to anything else we find in nature that it's kind of disarming. Like it does, uh, Mm. I'm not suggesting that um, we're aliens. We're, a- <laughs> we're aliens. Is that but, what I think? But, no, but what I am suggesting, I I don't is I that don't there. Understand. I think there is like there's like extraterrestrial kind of influences that have um, set us down this course. I don't think I don't see how it's possible for us to be just doing what we've been doing. The difference between what we create and what like beavers create is so stark that I don't know. It just, I, I think this, this I is, this it. is what the see, ancients would have called God. But, but I think that there is some kind of extraterrestrial see, here's influence at some point. This is uh back to my spiritual kick. It's wild that like when you, when you recently read things or whatever, how much of your views get influenced by it. But like, what if you said the difference between what a beaver creates is so different than what a human creates um that you're comparing what if there's no comparison it's just is there's just one there is no humans and beavers it's just everything is a system we're just part of the system Mm -hmm. i just i find it difficult to accept that like the oriental pearl in shanghai or the atomic bomb is part of the natural system that spaceships are part of nature. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I don't find that convincing. Like if you, if you just take a step back, if you, if you, I, I mean, look at the earth and just, just to also to see how fast it's happened. That's the other thing. I guess, but like there's things in nature that don't make sense that they're in nature. Like I your body is nuts. <laughs> the The fact that your body does what it does, right. it's the craziest shit ever. It's crazier than, than spaceships. Without doubt, actually, your brain, mm-hmm. your brain makes more connections than like, than cells. I, I forget. It was some crazy shit. But like your brain is making so many connections, working so fast. Right. Computations like it's a trillion computer. Trillions yeah. of com- computations in a millisecond. That's, that's not crazier than nature. It is. It is crazy. That's insane. It's crazy. That's wild. How is it? That's yeah. That's that's. Wild. I guess. I guess it's it's that brains took millions of years to develop into what they are now, whereas computers have been around for fifty years. You know, like yeah. like we're gonna well, make time a quantum is so, time. It, yeah. is so, we're in such a small time of like of, of everything. It's right, nuts. it's the time but crunch that is all the theories makes of me like think that there's some other sort of of what thing life is is just I when I start thinking about it, I like I get tired and like I gotta stop because it's just it's too insane. But like 
the theory that the Big Bang happened whenever that shit happened, and then the universe started just expanding, and we've been expanding ever since. And how big space is is just, like, mind-blowing. Like, Pluto is so, 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 so far Mm -hmm. from us, and it's, like, one quadrillionth of the distance closer than the next star. Like, the next star away is insane, and that's just one star in the Milky Way, which is just one little... It's insane how, like, how big and vast it really is. Right. But... And it's all, it's, yeah. it's all still expanding sure. right now. And the theor- there's a theory that eventually it's just going to stop and then contract. Mm-hmm. And then, and basically, and like there's a parallel between the universe and humans or just life of just like. Right. Lifespans exist. Everywhere. Lifespans. You, you get bigger, you get bigger, you get bigger. And then also too, though, like. You grow as a person, you become more independent, more independent, more independent. But then what happens? You don't just get more independent forever. As you get into old age, you become more dependent. You you shrink. You're going back. You're condensing. You become like like a baby again, kind of. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and, and equally as mind-blowing as the, the, the size of the universe is also how small um, things can get, too as well like how you know we thought the the atom was discovered as the smallest building block and we constantly find things yet smaller than that and smaller than that crazy so compared to the amount of things going on within those you know the little strings or whatever is building universe like we are incomprehensible you know and we're we're made up of all these little like microscopic animals there's there's all these animals or cells living on you it's that's crazy like it's so crazy isn't it it's crazy and yet we can be conscious of that (laughs) like that's what's nuts like all those animals inside you are working together in a way that allows us to be conscious of that i just paused because like the word (laughs) the word conscious like confuses me like what's conscious conscious is is basically just being able to understand what consciousness is. Isn't that so confusing? <laughs> well, but it, no, it's, it's like what we said. Where wh- who, who is conscious? That's what's right. crazy. Some people say it's the voice of God. And it's no, what the atheists call. Uh, like what the atheists who is call conscious? Is that God who is you are? Because like in, it's the in, sense of in one of the books I was uh, listening to, yeah. it's like it, being present is all about like observing yourself from i i don't mm-hmm. i don't even know it's right, basically right. like observing yourself detaching like, yourself from what you, yeah, yeah what you're doing isn't you it's mm-hmm. like you know it's not you you're just this body but and and what's what's like crazy though is we just said it the body is a bunch of these living things right. that put together so obviously that's not us how are we a bunch of living things put together that's not what we are then. Then what are we? What's the consciousness? Where's that consciousness come from? Right. Is it one of those things put together? Is right. it only when it's the collective? That doesn't make sense. I think it's it's the the awareness of, of that. I know. Where does it come from? Where does consciousness come from? Yeah, it's not from the collection of that system, I don't think. Right. That that awareness is is there no matter what. Which honestly makes me more optimistic for like life after death or not life after death, but like of 
um, a next chapter because it's like when you die, it's your it's your body, the collection of these organisms that are making the system whatever do whatever but you the conscious thing who who is thinking and seeing everything why would that go away is this similar i don't know if the name for this concept is hive mentality where they say that it's not the bees that are the singular being it's the hive right and that all the bees are working like like little cells right to create the hive exactly yeah because we are one we are all one so like in a you, way you are me there is no me and you it's we're all one that's exactly it we're the hive right hum- um, the humanity and that's in a way I, is is a singular thing but also no you're no a singular no, no thing not hum- of- not humanity the whole world see that's the, the whole world that's what we were saying before too is like but then we're the- not different than beavers Right. We just have this consciousness, maybe for whatever reason, but like we're not different. We're all right. one. But then the solar system is that all one? Mm-hmm. And then the whole galaxy is that all one? Yep. So so where does it? You know, we talked about lifespans, but where does it begin and end? When when does one become? You know, plural. Like where where is that line? Why does it matter? it just matters to, we're trying to figure <laughs> out no no it matters to, to understand what makes what makes us conscious we are yeah. we are conscious as a, a singular thing like the bacteria inside me i don't that's the bacteria inside me is not thinking that they are just little bacteria swimming inside a person and that they no they're <laughs> like, not they don't, thinking at all they don't get that no nothing thinks really though but we are able to discuss um that bacteria inside of us and we're able to discuss our place. We're able to detach ourselves from the self and look at ourselves as part of a a system that could be singular or it could be Mm. multiple um, in a way that I don't think dogs can do. Um, But what is, do you believe in God? Yeah. And when you, like well, think I, about I think, God. Do you th- and if you think I gotta, about God, I think the the term God is. Um, I got to listen to all my books more. They have good they have good quotes in these books that I uh, I wish I could mm-hmm. repeat, but I forget. But basically, like I think the way that the the word God is used incorrectly now, that um, there's obviously something though that is uh, that created us, right? But I don't know. People, I think, I think people refer to God for like everything now, and I don't think that is what God is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, similar sorry, question. Sorry, God. Do you, uh, <laughs> when you think of God and you think of consciousness, what do you physically picture with these those two uh, concepts? The, um, Ariel's dad from uh, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Oh, honestly, that's not far off from what I picture. <laughs> yeah. I picture like an old man who's like a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it. I mean, I don't know what else. Uh, what does that make Ariel? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what God looks like. I think we are. I don't know. I can't. I, that's too much right now. It's too late. Or too early, dude. I gotta. Do you think we have the same image of God because we both watched The Little Mermaid? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We're like, 
Yeah, that's God. <laughs> we might have had this conversation. Yeah, without a doubt. There's there's definitely a lot of things that we think because of uh because of each other. Because of that, that shared experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, also millions of kids have watched The Little Mermaid and Right. You know, at the same time that they were learning about God as well. You, so that's interesting. This is a little random, but it, I mean it's, the whole conversation's kinda of random, so it's yeah. so it's part of it. Right. Um do you believe in, um, do you think everything's just happening? Like, do you, are you changing anything or whatever is going to happen? Fate, do, like whatever happens is going to happen. I used to think I'm like changing stuff. I'm more of the opinion now, like, yo, the world is in motion and it's going and what's going to happen is going to happen, which goes back to why like not being hopeful because it's like, yo, just mm. be in the moment because you're you can't hope for something because what's gonna happen is gonna happen. Well, you can't hope for it. Mm-hmm. What like why hope for it? You're just gonna whatever. I don't know. I really I appreciate the question and I'm gonna butcher this explanation, um, but I did not study philosophy uh, in college and I and I regretted it. So I'd kind of been kind of giving myself a crash course on it right. the past couple months. But one of the concepts that um, I was reading about was combat compatibilist free will. All right. You familiar with this concept? Yeah, but uh, um, so yeah. In, instead of saying that free will exists or it doesn't exist, and that's kind of the question that you're going at: Can you change something? Do you have what? Do you have control? It's related. Um, it basically uh, is is saying that we can make choices, but those choices um, have also have a cause. So, so, so I I think I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so we, we have free will. We have the ability to make decisions, but, but those decisions are caused and it's a kind of probabilistic way. Um, So there's no kind of uncaused choice is a little, is, is murkier. Um, But the idea of having a cause choice is it's kind of some kind of reconciliation between, um, free will and self-determinism yeah and i i definitely agree with that but i guess um the thing that i uh that has me like convinced that um just like the world is set in motion is just like the amount of things that have to happen for something to happen is insane Mm -hmm. and and that's compounded for the existence of the world which is there's just so many actions that have happened mm-hmm. that cause more actions. And, uh, at this point it's just, it, they're just gone. Like the fact that, uh, the fact that like we're here right now just had so many different things have to happen. Right. I don't know. Right. Which, which, and all those things that happened, um, that is also saying that, um, people did influence different things along the way. There was, were effects. Right. But those people influencing those things were just the result of other things happening. Mm. So sometimes you don't know what you're influencing along the way, but, um, Um, and like, for example, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it is, but like basically this kid in my class was saying how something happened, um, to his friend in high school, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And long story short, we were, it was wild. We were saying how like this one thing that happened eight years ago to him in high school has now affected something 
another student in the class eight years later who didn't know. And you're like, just how much is affected from these little things? Mm -hmm. You never know. Right. Right. And I want to hear that story off the air as well. For sure. Um, Also, like, have you ever been kind of talking to a friend and they'll bring up something that you said, a conversation you had, they remember and you have no idea, no Mm -hmm. memory of at all? Yeah. Like, it's amazing what can stick with some people. Oh. And what what doesn't like you just you just never know what can influence, yeah, somebody I, and what can't. So it, it's I, I, I just got the chills for for like kind of a bad reason, but like uh, imagine being a teacher, and what students remember is mind blowing because like you uh-huh. just say some fucking random two words that you don't think anything of, and some student that yeah. might have been the only thing they heard that day, and like I had a student. Um, I was, I obviously like joke a lot and like the student, thankfully, like, uh, we have a good rapport, so it doesn't sound as bad as it was, Yeah. but, uh, I guess he got like a bad quiz grade once and I was like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, did you break the double digits this time? Whatever. And like, like joking, whatever. Yeah. And we're cool. I know we're cool. Like he, he, I've apologized to him. He said, it's cool. I know like blah, blah, blah. but, uh, like Five years after that, I wasn't thinking of it, didn't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. And he like graduated high school and I was like, oh, blah, blah, like congrats. And he's like, yeah, hit the double digits on my quiz grades. And I was like, oh, my God, like <laughs> he held that with him yeah. for his whole high school career. Yeah. Maybe he used it as motivation. Yeah. No. And he I mean, I would feel way worse about it, but he, like I said, like, yo, dude, no way. Like, seriously? And he's like, yo, you're my favorite teacher. I know, like, you taught me more than anyone else. He's like, I don't care. Mm. Um, But he obviously did care, like, to remember that. And maybe he remembered it because he cared about me so much. And he's like, that's a teacher I respect. Mm -hmm. Who said that? I don't know. Yeah, and that's a, a unique example because the thing that you said to influence him is something that if you had known he was going to latch onto that you might not have said oh, in the I first wouldn't place have said it in a second. but it kind of turned out for the Fine. best it seemed like it um had uh you know lit a fire under his belly right um yeah well uh well jmar this has uh, been a pleasure oh um, uh, yep this is Still got a little coffee left. It's, oh, it's nine thirty, dude. It's um, almost man, time for me to wake up. Past my bedtime. It's almost time for me to wake up. I'm waking up, but it's been it's been great having you here. Uh, we got to do this. Uh, yeah, come uh, to uh, come on my podcast next time if uh, if you don't mind. Okay, you want to plug it? What's it What's it called? It's a uh, J on the block. Okay, what's the uh, topic? Uh, just it started off blockchain. Block, okay, uh, but it's you. really just whatever J does. J on the block. Okay, Jay on the Block, check it out on the it's on the Apple uh, podcast app. It is. I have a, a couple episodes up. Lovely, excellent. Um, first episode was uh, an Asian kid thinking he made a million dollars. It was, and then he realized someone else had put, already put suitcases on wheels. Yeah, basically, it was nuts. <laughs> All right, All right, Jay, I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank we'll you see so you much. Soon. See you shortly. Love you. Bye, man. God is the dad in the little mermaid. Yep, exactly. That's the lesson we've all learned.